When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code GLOW. It's October 15th, 1860, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So it was on this day that an 11-year-old girl's fan letter helped Abraham Lincoln evolve into his final form. That 11-year-old girl was called Grace Bedell, and Abraham Lincoln was the unbearded nominee for United States president at the time. Yeah, because this is about his whiskers, his beard. <laughs> when you said final form, it sounded a bit like uh, the prologue to a Marvel superhero. Transmogrified into it. <laughs> we're just talking about some facial hair here. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're not talking about just facial hair. I think it's worth me pointing out that before Lincoln, there had never been a bearded United States president. The beard has come and gone. We could do a whole episode on the oscillating fashions of the beard. But in the 1800s, beards were associated with you were either a political radical or you were some kind of yokel or some kind of crackpot. And it was only very recently that they had started to creep back into fashion. A lot of historians date it to the Crimean War in the mid-1850s when a lot of British soldiers, for the first time, were allowed to grow beards to combat the unforgiving Russian winter. And then it became associated with masculinity and heroism. But it was still relatively daring for a politician like Lincoln to suddenly adopt a beard right in the middle of his presidential campaign. And so what happened was that this young girl uh, named Grace Bedell, she wrote a letter to Abraham Lincoln in which she suggested that he should grow a beard because that would help him get elected. It starts, my father has just come home from the fair and brought home your picture and Mr. Hamlin's. Uh, Hamlin, by the way, is Hannibal Hamlin, who would go on to become the 15th vice president. And by the way, also grew a beard eventually, but really weird ones. Like he has... (laughs) Like, just a brush on his double chin. Like, the point of a beard normally is to hide your double chin. But his beard accentuated his double chin. Oh, well, um, I mean, Abe Lincoln's beard is a bit odd. It's just like it loops around the bottom of his face. And well, you might think it's no odd mustache. now. It was very fashionable in 1860, as Rebecca would say. Uh, but anyway, she goes on to say, uh, I have yet got four brothers, and part of them will vote for you anyway. And if you let your whiskers grow, I will try and get the rest of them to vote for you. You would look a great deal better for your face is so thin. All the ladies like whiskers, and they would tease their husbands to vote for you, and then you would be president. And the remarkable thing is, not just that she wrote such a letter, and not even that Lincoln replied, he replied four days later, just four days after she sent that, the reply arrived at her house. This is in the middle of probably the most important election race in US history. And he wrote back a letter that was very, it was warm, but it was non-committal. He answered her inquiries as to whether he had any little girls about my age. He didn't, he had three sons. Uh, And then he said at the end, as to the whiskers, having never worn any, do you not think people would call it a silly affectation if I were to begin it now? But within a month, he had grown a full beard, which kind of implies that he took her advice to heart almost immediately. 
Well, she was right. Not only because, I mean, obviously it's easy to say with hindsight, isn't it? I mean, we all now know the bearded Lincoln to the extent that if you are an Abraham Lincoln impersonator, you essentially only need a beard and a top hat. Like anyone yeah. can do Abe if they got that. Uh, but also because if you do look at those portraits of him from the 1860s without a beard, he does look a bit gaunt and a bit yeah. severe and a bit less... I don't want to say wise because it's so ridiculous to confer these qualities from beard. But I suppose because you grow up thinking of Honest Abe with the beard, like seeing him without the beard, you think, oh, he just looks a little bit less wise there. But also throughout his career, mocking his appearance was considered pretty much fair game. When he was running for president in 1860, a paper in uh, Houston described him as the leanest, lankiest, most ungainly mass of legs, arms and hatchet face (laughs) ever strung upon a single frame. And yet the writing style then, it still sounds like the Declaration of Independence, doesn't it? (laughs) Uh, Another paper, uh, the Charleston Mercury uh, went uh, a little further and just called him a horrid-looking wretch. And even Abe leaned into this himself. A few weeks before becoming president, he declared to one crowd, I have stepped out upon this platform that I may see you and that you may see me. And in the arrangement, I have the best of the bargain. So he was in on the gag about him being a little bit funny-looking. There's been some speculation, actually, that he might have suffered from Marfan syndrome, which is a genetic disorder that tends to give you the appearance of being very tall and thin, long arms and legs and stuff, which obviously he had, which kind of makes it seem even crueler, to be honest, that people were just regularly just yeah. ripping him for his appearance. He was compared to a gorilla as well. He really had a, he had a lot of very personal comments directed towards him. So it might make sense that he was looking for, you know, maybe that positive Lincoln appearance story. Mm-hmm. Also, he had a uh, family reason to not want a beard which is that his father Thomas Lincoln who was a kind of frontier man had made a point of being proudly clean shaven because all the blokes then had beards because it was the lazy thing to do like if you weren't seeing any women and you were out all day you know digging holes you (laughs) you had a beard because it was the easiest way to present yourself and his father had made a point of having the dignity you know to, to to shave and that's the tradition that Abe was continuing all his life until this point. I want to look like my father. My father always was well presented and that's important. So he, he did associate having a beard with laziness, not as a stylistic choice. Yeah, and having been born and raised in what was then the West of America, you know, Kentucky and Illinois, it was certainly very much on his mind that he didn't want to present himself as a yokel. He was also ridiculed sometimes for his voice. He had quite a high pitched voice and a bit of a, what was then, you know, a Midwestern accent. So he was very conscious of trying to seem dignified and educated and masculine, etc. But his was the first famous facial hair of the Lincoln administration, but by no means the last, (laughs) because it was the generation of Civil War generals who had a remarkable array of facial hair that really brought the beard roaring back into mainstream popularity. It's the listicle we all want to read, Rebecca. Who's at number <laughs> one? Just cut number to the one, chase. well, you could probably guess what style of facial hair he became famous for. His name was General Ambrose Burnside. Wow. Oh, enormous I had no sides. Idea. Is that where we get that from? Huge, ridiculous mutton chops. Some of, the one, some of the mutton chops that you can see in the Civil War portraits are incredible. They actually, they sort of come down in a very sort of light, fluffy way down the actual cheeks. And then they just descend into, you know, like six or seven inches down from the chin is just sort of fluffy, curling mutton chops. It's absolutely bizarre. They were originally <laughs> called Burnsides. And then at some point, I'm not exactly sure, they seem, they, the history seems to be a bit muddled, the syllables became reversed and they became known as sideburns. I love it. I lo- I'm going to, from now it's on, good. call them burn signs. Yeah. <laughs> it's better, isn't it? When you think about it, it makes more sense. I like the provenance. 
So, Lincoln grew a beard. He had a full beard when, on his way to his 1861 inauguration, he arranged to have his train stop near Westfield, where Bedell was from, so that he could meet her. Obviously, he was still kind of in campaigning mode. You know, this was the lap of honour, wasn't it? Uh, And, you know, this was a stunt that he had up his sleeve, really. But he stopped at Westfield and he said, is there, essentially, is my correspondent in, in the house? And she was. And she came to the front and she was so overwhelmed to meet the soon-to-be President Lincoln that she actually forgot to give him the bouquet of flowers that she'd bought specially for the occasion. And he apparently leant into her ear and said, you see, I let these whiskers grow for you. (laughs) It sounds like, weirdly, considering there was obviously a huge crowd there, quite an intimate moment between the two of them. She wrote years later that he climbed down and sat down with me on the edge of the station platform. He said, Gracie, look at my whiskers. I've been growing them for you. Then he kissed me. I never saw him again. But Hmm. that is a shrewd political operator, isn't it? Because he could have paraded her about on the stage. He'd already said to all those people there, where's the little girl who I was talking to? They knew something was up. And what he does is he basically turns it into an intimate moment between the two of them, knowing that it's viral marketing. He's going to get back (laughs) on that train and she's going to blab to the local newspaper and that will be a story about the legendary Lincoln and what a cool guy he is and how whimsical he is and how good he is with kids. Although at this stage, he's still not known for his beard. So it's a big punt. You know, he's taking a chance that he's going to be, that his beardy enterprise is going to come out well for him. (laughs) And the punt paid off because... As we said, Lincoln is so associated with the beard that you can't imagine... You almost can't imagine his beard without his face attached to it. They're so uh, (laughs) intertwined. Um, But his pre-beard portraits were later altered to include whiskers. So, like, the public almost couldn't believe it was Lincoln unless he had the beard, even if it was an extant picture of him, not with the beard. Which, side note bizarrely launched um, Milton Bradley Games. Apparently, uh, Milton Bradley, yep, (laughs) here we go. He was a lithographer and he had created this lithograph of uh, Abraham Lincoln before he had his beard that that was selling quite nicely, thank you very much. And as soon as Lincoln grew his beard, then this lithograph was obviously out of date and and couldn't be sold anymore, at which point Milton Bradley pivoted (laughs) and started up a gaming business. His first game was the checkered game of life he didn't know what else to do with his lithograph uh, machine apparently so he created this board game because one of his mates said you should do that created the checkered game of life and it became a massive bestseller that's amazing <laughs> isn't it and led directly to guess who i presume pictures of beards yeah, and unbearded does he have a beard yes it's abraham lincoln <laughs> exactly, yeah <laughs> next time Ofcom don't cover podcasts, so, you know, if you're offended by this... Go f- Love the show? Support the show! Patreon.com slash Retrospectors! Part of the ACAST Creator Network.